Hi, this is Dave Brock, President of Partners in Excellence, and welcome to another of our podcasts. You know, I'm really excited about our, our topic today because uh, as sales professionals, we deal with procurement, sourcing, and supply chain um, people and professionals all the time, and, and we have some trepidation and some fear of, of, of how we deal with the guys sitting at the other side of the desk. And, and I think a lot of it becomes comes from us really not understanding what drives procurement professionals and how procurement is changing as a profession. So I'm really excited to have um, a really a, – experienced top procurement executive in the consumer packaged goods industry joining us today for our discussion, Ryan Need. And um, let me, before we go much further, first welcome you, Ryan. Thanks for taking the time this afternoon. I really appreciate it. Sure. Thank you, Dave. And maybe if you could just introduce yourself a little bit so people kind of know who you are. And after that, we'll just dive into a discussion about procurement and, and how salespeople can work with you better. Sure, no problem, Dave. Uh, my name is Ryan Need. I've been in the consumer packaged goods uh, procurement space for about 16 years, and my background is, is largely dealing with suppliers in the areas of, of supplied uh, materials, packaging ingredients, and uh, anything really required to, uh, to, to make innovative consumer products come to life in the marketplace. Okay, so, so you're really actually involved in, in the, the pieces, parts that are actually end up getting shipped out of your door as products that consumers buy. And, and so all the components that, you know, many of the components that go into making your products. That's right. So, I mean, this could range from anything relating to packaging, ingredients, third-party third party manufacturing, uh, whether it be, um, you know, uh, say, liquid ingredients to make a new product. Um, and, you know, my experience is largely in food and beverage, but I also have some, um, also some consumer packaged goods experience early in my career. Uh, and, and what I'm passionate about is sourcing for, for brands. I'm, I'm a guy that loves brands, as we most of us do. <laughs> and so, you know, a big area of emphasis for me is finding, finding a way to drive the procurement function to excellence to, to really make great brands and delight consumers. Well, that's awesome. And, you know, in kind of in kicking off our discussion, Ryan, you and I were talking a little bit before we, we um, started the interview about kind of where procurement is going. And I, I know I see when I talk to top executives, procurement executives, and other executives in corporations, there's a huge shift in the procurement function. I think you know, many of us who've been sales professionals for a long time have seen, you know, kind of the old image of procurement where it's all about simply getting the best price, getting a contract, and issuing a purchase order. But my sense is that's probably a gross misrepresentation of, of where procurement is and certainly where it's going in terms of its strategic importance to to the organization. So what's your view about kind of where we're at and where, where you're going? 
I would say it's a very exciting time to be in the procurement discipline. I think if you took a look back at the last couple of decades, you'd see that we've had a significant progression in the talent and the capability of the function. And if you took a survey of you know any of the leading uh, companies in various industries, you'd see that you'd have a procurement uh, executive sitting right alongside the you know the CFO and the CEO. So. You know, 20, 30 years ago, I don't think you'd see a, an executive-level uh, leader focused on procurement uh, sitting at the table with, you know, other executives at, at the same level. So uh, I think now that we've got, uh, I would say, a, a strong talent base in the procurement discipline globally, I mean, if you took a look at, you know, um, where the function has gone, well, it's, it's gone global, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Now I happen to have worked for larger companies, and these are companies that are represented in markets all around the world. Um, and I think there's, a, there's an important capability and call it worldliness around uh, today's and the, and the future procurement professionals to look at things more globally and understand, you know, how societal changes and environmental changes influence our sourcing practices. So that's definitely one area. And I guess the other area is we're, we're seeing this trend where procurement professionals are continuing to increase their breadth of responsibility, whether it be formally or informally. You know, um, the, the big mantra in, in many of the, the conversations I've had with peers across various industries is that we want that seat at the table, and we don't want to have a myopic view of what we do. We, we want to be considered business leaders, not just buyers. And so, you know, whether it be we're influencing a decision on, you know, the next marketing launch, the new product launch, or if it's making a decision on how to invest in our operations, you know, we'll wear many hats these days in, in finance, marketing, sales, operations. And I think as we progress, procurement is becoming much more multidisciplinarian in terms of how we approach the business. And that's really what we want. We want business leaders now. We're starting to train our younger talent as such. So really, I mean, kind of what I'm hearing is you're really becoming kind of strategic partners to your your customers within the organization to say, how do we more effectively um, implement and execute our corporate strategies, not just simply how do we save money, but, but how do we have a, you know, how do we more effectively grow? How do we grow our brand presence maybe? How do we grow our share? Uh, and how do we become more profitable? So the, the way you look at decisions is, is vastly different than you had before. That's absolutely right, Dave. I mean, I think historically and in the perception that's out there among many, you know, old school uh, approaches to procurement is that, you know, we, our, our primary goal is to drive out price or cost. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not to say that we don't have a responsibility to manage that. Of course we do. But the spectrum of value delivery is, is far greater than just how we manage price. Um, the expectation is that we deliver total value to the consumer or the customer. And, um, you know, the ways that we do that are that we broaden our thinking around how we add value. And whether it be uh, you know, coming up with a new innovative concept from a supplier that perhaps can be marketed in a different way to our end consumer or, you know, increasing our speed to market, allowing us to beat the competition to get something to market. There's value in that. And that isn't always necessarily reflected in, in the price that we'll pay a supplier. And so, you know, if I'm being honest about it, we're, we're not all the way there in terms of how do we totally measure the value that we contribute to the organization. I think in many cases, if you took a survey of of other procurement leaders, they'd tell you, first and foremost, they've got a cost-out agenda, and they've got to hit a plan. And yes, while innovation and speed to market and service and all these other, 
metrics are absolutely critical. The reality that we face today, I think, is if you took a survey, this is my point of view, you could hit every other goal, but if you don't deliver your cost goal, you still aren't going to be considered as, you know, meeting expectations for the year. Now, we're working to change that and to broaden the perspective on that with our stakeholders and our exec because I think we can find that um, we're adding value in, in new and in different ways that, than, than we have in, in previous generations. And so, so my mantra and my mission is to, to consist, consistently bang the drum, if you will, on, on total value delivered through, whether through project execution with suppliers, through new product launches, through improvements in quality and improvements in service and speed to market. So that's, that's really where we want to go. Well, but already you can see, I mean, you can just see both, I mean, one, major shifts in, in mentality and perspective, but two, the fact that, that, you know, it used to be years ago that, that you know, cost reduction and, 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 and cost management were the goals, period. And, and now, while there's still probably a, a primary goal, they're, they're there with a set of other goals that are evolving and, and, and growing over time, it, of things around innovation, of, of things around building the brand, things around risk management, and those kinds of things. So, you know, even though it still will be there, and it probably will always be there and probably always be a, a level of importance, what's really refreshing to me is to see uh, the evolution in that it's it's no longer, even though it is probably still the most important, it's no longer just about cost, but it's about, um, you know, this whole thing about value creation and, and how we collectively create more value for your your actual your consumers and your customers. Yeah, no doubt, Dave. I, I think you know um, it, it's something that requires work. I, I think if and this is something that is, is a changing uh, trait of the the best procurement leaders, in my opinion, is the reality is it's like we're we're salespeople too. I think that's what sales executives need to understand is that procurement people are salespeople too. We're primarily internal salespeople, but mm -hmm. we have to sell the value that we're delivering. And, you know, as we develop our talent, we're looking for the assertive person to really demonstrate and, and build the business case around all the value that we're contributing. And mm -hmm. in many cases, if we don't speak up and vocalize a lot of the additional benefits of engaging in a supplier relationship, uh, we we won't really gain that traction that we want around the, being recognized in, for the total value we're, we're delivering to the business. So it takes a certain level of salesmanship and uh, kind of forward proactive approach to to demonstrate to our shareholders and our stakeholders here here's the value here's the total value we're delivering, and, and that's a special courage that that we want and to, to develop and, and identify in, in, in up and coming talent. Yeah. Yep. But, but you know, what you're saying really aligns with, you know, some of the big changes that I see critical in the sales profession right now is, is you know, what we're really trying to get sales professionals to realize that, um, uh, you know, it's no, it's no longer about the product. Um, it's really about the value that we can create or co-create with our customers. And it's a lot about ideas and innovation and insights. And so what you're, you're telling me is that you're, that what we're trying to do as a profession of, of creating greater value, of giving you 
new ideas and helping you innovate for your customers differently is is really meshes nicely with kind of the goals, you know, the emerging goals for procurement executives of what they're trying to do both with the internal customers and then help with, you know, your whole role in, in your marketplaces. That's right. That's right. And, and it's, um, you know, again, it's a journey, right? It, it's, it's something, you know, I, I think it's, it would be less than forthright if we didn't say that we, we have to demonstrate that our suppliers are competitive, right? We want, we want to enter into partnerships, but the responsibility of a procurement, you know, pr- practitioner is to demonstrate that the chosen supplier has the right value contribution and is competitive. And, and the market, you know, our, our training and our, our kind of marching orders from our leadership is to know the markets, right? And right. so in many cases, I get proposals from suppliers that have a, a set, um, you know, criteria of, of, of cost and service. And then, you know, the, the real dialogue that's important is to document and discuss what are the, what are the other ways that that supplier can add value. And I, I think that's, that's really where the relationship between the sales executive and the procurement expert is important, is to really draw out what are the opportunities to add value in, in new and inventive ways, as well as manage risk. I mean, you know, I've worked in a space where I'm typically uh, dealing with supply-related type contracts. And... Um, there's a lot of risk when we deal with suppliers, particularly those that perhaps have operations overseas or, you know, are sourcing from emerging markets or, you know, working on new concepts that maybe aren't proven and therefore there's supply risk or there's inflationary risk. We need to be forthright and, and upfront with one another about what are the risks as well as the opportunities to, to deliver value. Right. But I see this is where I see a lot of times uh, salespeople really defeating themselves when they're engaging with procurement professionals is somehow, you know, we make it all about price. Um, and if we, if, if we make it all about price and restrict our conversation to that, then we're, we're really restricting our ability to, to help you and to engage you in the things that are most important to you. Um, that, that's, a, that's a great observation, Dave. I think that's fair. And I, I think the, the advice that I would give to sales representatives that would call on me is it's like anything. When you go through a job interview, you've got to do your homework, right, and know that company and know what makes that company tick. And and, um, I think sales executives that are calling on companies for the first time really need to have a good finger on the pulse of the business needs for that particular organization. And uh, before even that first contact is made, that they understand the network and they understand the culture to the extent possible. Obviously, in today's day and age, you've got plenty of resources available to you to, you know, find a pathway into an organization. Um, But before we even talk about price and before we even talk about, you know, the offerings that a supplier might have, a a sales executive really needs to understand how his or her capabilities and products line up with, you know, my organizations. Otherwise, we're, we're not going to hit it off because I'm going to feel like really this person is just not connected to my business needs. And so before we even talk about price, there has to be a, a, a huge amount of pre-work by, a, by a, a sales executive to understand how to connect with me based on business need. Yeah, and I think that, again, I think that's where, you know, as the procurement profession is, is, 
evolving and, and, and you know, the sales profession really needs to evolve is, is, you know, too much we've been about our product and we've left it up to the customer to connect the dots to how does that product help me do what I want to do. And what you're saying is it's our responsibility as sales professionals if we really want to to connect with you effectively is to know your business and what you're trying to do and, and know how things get done in your organization and then to present our capabilities in the context of those things so that we're in some sense connecting the dots for you and not forcing you to do that work for yourselves. I think that's a, a great way to phrase it. And uh, obviously every sales representative and every procurement representative, their styles, everyone's styles are different, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have my style, you have your style, Dave. We all, we all have different styles. I mean, this is, might be a bias from, from my personal point of view, but I, I really appreciate and enjoy uh, a salesperson that really knows how my company ticks, what the core product lines are, and exactly potentially what 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 my problems are, my challenges, and, and presenting proactively how his or her products can help solve or alleviate those concerns or how they can add value to, to my business. Uh, and, that again, that requires a little bit of homework, and you're never going to find out all the answers in advance without, you know, sitting down with somebody inside the company. But that, that's really important to get that pre-work and, and at least some practical approach to why the, there's, a, there's a match or a potential match. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and that's. I mean, it's. I mean, it's so easy to do that right now with the web. I mean, if people are doing their homework, and we talk a lot about this stuff about business acumen, and it's it's, you know, understanding your customers and understanding their strategies and their markets and their competition, and and you know what drives them, and being able to to translate what we do that that helps them. Um, mm-hmm. there's, there's some things, and I wanted to test a couple of ideas on you, is to some degree what you're talking about when you're talking about rather than pitching our products and letting you connect the dots, but really kind of looking at your business and understanding it, to some degree sometimes salespeople can be creating some sort of disruption or discomfort in in the customer organization they can be coming and saying i mean politely so not obnoxiously so but kind of saying we see different better ways of doing things or we can see, we see some things that can help you improve your share or help you improve your brand perception or help you uh, you know better serve your customers how how if that's the kind of discomfort and, and disruption that we create, um, you know, and again, not doing it in an obnoxious, pushy, you know, classical sales stereotype point of view, but really being informed and bringing you information and data that is useful and help, helpful to you and relevant to your business. Is that something that you that procurement professionals welcome? I, I would say yes. I mean, I, I think... If I've got a sales representative that is, you know, well-researched and proactive and can approach me in a, in a constructive and, uh, you know, 
call it opportunistic way, in, in a positive way, if I can use that word, mm-hmm. um, is is really refreshing. I mean, now, I think I would expect that that particular uh, potential supplier would, would have enough knowledge and, and insight um, to, to, to make the claim that, yeah, here's an opportunity for you to add more value or to solve a particular problem. Um, well, but, they have know, to be credible, and they have to have some sort of trust-based relationship. Otherwise, you know, it's just, you know, some wild guy, you know, with crazy ideas. But uh, That's right. And, I, you know, the door, the door is open. I think the, the thing in this environment, and, and sure it's true, and, you know, I've, I've worked in large organizations, you know, we're all so pressed for time. The, the, the resource base continues to be, you know, reduced in terms of bandwidth, and um, everybody's time is so precious, everybody's time, yours, mine, the, the sales folks, mm-hmm. all procurement folks. And so I think, you know, it's really important that a sales representative who is maybe early on in a, in a relationship be very concise and succinct around here are the opportunities and here's a compelling reason why we should discuss the, the, the opportunity to do business further. I think for me, if, if I've got a sales guy that really – and again, this is maybe my my style, but really overplays um, the the sales relationship card before we even know if there's a business need and opportunity that we can work together. Um, really, it, it doesn't really land well with me because I don't necessarily need to to spend all the time if if we really don't have a good match for our, our companies to work together. I don't mind networking with people and talking to people, but I want to make sure that there's a reason that. Um, you want to present a business case for us to do business together. And, and you, you need to do some, some research and some homework on that. Yeah, and I think there's, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, salespeople, I think, you know, don't get to the point or are afraid of, of kind of directness. Um, and it's just, you know, my point of view is, you know, I want to figure out really quickly whether you and I can use our time together well or whether, you know, you're a nice guy, I'm glad I met you, but, you know, I can't do anything to help you or that's valuable to you, so I'm going to spend my time someplace else. Oh, that's right on, Dave. I mean, I think there's a there's an authenticity and a, and a forthrightness around whether or not it makes sense to invest together and, and whether it's not. I mean, you know, I like to do business with straight shooters, right? So either it's going to work or it's not going to work. And, you know, in some cases, that's okay if it doesn't work out on the first crack. And what we found over time is, industries change and companies consolidate or technology changes, there might be a good match or an offering that, that a supplier might have in the future that meets a need. And we, we go through this all the time. And, and so I think there's a, a, a tremendous amount of respect that's built when a supplier says, thank you for the opportunity, we've looked at this, not exactly sure if we can meet the need now, but you know, in the future there might be an opportunity to to reconnect and, and talk about another opportunity. So there, there's, that, there's that authenticity or that, that forthrightness to say, yeah, let's, let's put this on hold. And um, that, that, that's really how you build a longer-term relationship when, when you're honest about it, right? Yeah, it's, it's really nothing to do with, with, you know, kind of, um, you know, this whole kind of, you know, slickness and, and evasiveness that a lot of salespeople feel that they have to have is it's, you know, I've found that people really kind of react 
very, very positively of, you know, I'm a business person, you're a business person. We didn't come together this time, but that, you know, we can come together another time. And, and I find it really resonates with people. And, and I've, I've found people picking up the phone, procurement executives picking up the phone and call me and say, you know, Dave, I respected the fact that we didn't do business the last time and we didn't do business for the right reasons. Let's look at it this time. Right. Yep. Absolutely. And uh, like I said, I mean, that's, that's how relationships are built and sustained over time. And, um, you know, I think, it, you know, even, even the little things that a supplier, a prospective supplier does, even if there's not a business um, uh, kind of contract or a business award right out of the gate, is having that, that exchange of dialogue on what the future might be and sharing industry insights you know, there might that there's a lot of value in that because there's opportunities to work together in the future. So, I think right. if, uh, there's a lot of patience I would imagine required by sales executives to to build that relationship over the long term. But but it really is. I, I think it's it's you know I think we have to look at it as an investment that 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 both parties are making and, and that we do need to invest in each other. One is to invest uh, us to invest in giving you ideas in helping, you know, in building that relationship and finding the right opportunities. Um, and, and we're, we're both looking at doing that over the long term. And, you know, I, I find most organizations I work with are really interested in those long-term, those dependable relationships, those people that they can count on for delivery, for quality, for um, innovation, for new ideas, and for, you know, competitiveness in, in terms of a good, strong business case. Yeah, and I think, Dave, just to, to add on to that, I, I, you know, I recognize personally that most, if not all, suppliers and sales representatives want that long-term relationship. I think the, the thing that is important for a sales representative to consider is how does your particular product fit into our portfolio? Is it something that would be considered for a long-term relationship, right? I mean, procurement professionals are trained on segmenting spend. And mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's purchases that we know that we, we're forced to, to treat more strategically. That is, meaning there's only a couple suppliers out there, and it's a constrained industry. And quite frankly, it probably makes sense to enter into a five-year-plus type sourcing arrangement. And then there's a lot of other categories that um, there's a wide array of suppliers available. The industry competition is much higher. And quite frankly, there's not as much incentive to commit to long-term relationships because there's no need and, and, and there's going to be a challenge from internal stakeholders on what type of commitment is made in, in that spend area. So I think there's an awareness from a sales executive's point of view of, okay, how, do, how, does, how does my product offering fit within um, the industry and, and how competitive right. am I and can I differentiate myself enough? Because I think some of the awkward conversations or the challenging conversations are those suppliers that feel that, yeah, we're deserving of a long-term, you know, relationship when, in fact, I mean, the industry might be one filled with a high amount of suppliers that's highly competitive. And it, quite frankly, from a business case standpoint, you know, procurement professionals have a, a responsibility to make recommendations. And if, if it doesn't make sense to enter into a, a three- to five-year type contract because we're not sure about the long-term outlook and, you know, we only want to enter a one-year deal, 
we just have to be forthright and upfront about that. And maybe that's the challenge to the sales representative to, to find a way to differentiate and, and, and demonstrate a reason to make longer-term commitments. Well, and, and that's the thing. I mean, the, the, you know, in, in places where you have really highly commoditized things where, you know, the product itself may be, you know, very undifferentiated, I often kind of say, you know, what's the difference between my sand and your sand um, um, is, is, um, is, you know, it's it, the onus is on the salesperson to say, you know, how how do we make it not just about sand? How do we make it about something different? But if it is just about sand, or if it is just about carbon black, or if it is just about you know maybe selling you great water or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. um, uh, if if all we're doing is competing with everybody else that's selling exactly the same thing, there's 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 no business rationale for long-term relationships. Um, That's right. Uh, you know, and so the onus is on the salesperson to say it is not just about this. It is about some other things, and, and to to show you how that that fits into into what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's the other piece of advice I would give is is in those those upfront, candid conversations. You know, I always look for a sales representative to articulate clearly what his or her company's strategy is, business strategy, and, and how their com- his company or her company can really differentiate themselves and, and demonstrate that they are a leader in, in that space. Because um, if they can't articulate that vision to me and, and really compel me to want to enter into that relationship, then quite frankly, it's not going to be a, a real win-win for us, right? So... Um, yeah. that, that, that's, some, that's really important for me. Here's some ugly questions, and more, I think, ugly, I, I think potentially ugly in terms of uh, how, how shocking your response might be. We've talked about a whole bunch of things about, you know, salespeople, you know, doing their homework and really understanding the business, really understanding the strategic drivers, really understanding how they can fit and contribute to your business. If you kind of think back over the the last few years of all the salespeople you've um, you've been involved with, roughly what percentage of them um, you know do that well? <laughs> wow, that's a tough question. Um, you know, be blunt. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think I'll, I'll, I'll color my response in this way, which is. You know, I've I've had the privilege of working in companies that that are larger and and have a, a you know fairly prominent position in the industry. So we 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 typically will track suppliers. Suppliers will put some of their 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 stronger sales representatives on our account. Um, but basically, I would tell you probably you know probably two thirds have a pretty good grasp of it and, and do it well. Fifty percent to two thirds. I think there's that upper or that lower one-third of, of suppliers that perhaps don't really have a compelling value proposition um, to come into the office and really make the sale. In many cases, um, there's, a, there's a historical relationship in place. Now, this really is dependent upon the category, right? I mean, when we talk right, about right. You know, indirect spend and, and some of the, the services areas, there there's, tends to be a lot more competition and, when we start to get into more specialized um, areas, 
there's just fewer suppliers, and, and the, the supplier base is consolidated. So you're working with a lot of companies that, you know, the relationships inevitably are, are, are long-term just by the sheer nature of, of the, the scarcity of supply. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, there's already a, a well-known, well-established relationship in, in many of those cases. Uh, but, you know, the, the, there are a number of examples that I could tell you of suppliers that really just didn't, just didn't have that, that compelling grab up front around here's the capabilities and here's how they match with your product needs and here's how we can execute. I think that's, um, you know, that's a skill set and, and it takes experience and it takes preparation and, and, and focus and discipline. And it's really critical that, that it's nailed on the first go. Otherwise, credibility is impaired. Well, and I mean, actually, your, your n- number of people who do it well it surprised me. It was much higher than I expected. Yeah, maybe I'm being generous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you for 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 being kind. Let me go on another one, kind of on that. You know, sometimes you know, you know salespeople tend to shoot from the lip. Um, mm-hmm. How many salespeople? What percentage of the salespeople do you see on a day to day basis? are really well prepared and really use your time well. You know, they they have an agenda. The agenda is relevant to you, um, you know, and, and they conduct, they use your, t- at the end of the meeting, you say they've used your time well. Yeah, I mean, that that's, um, and, and again, this is an area where I'll say it depends on how structured that relationship is. So, um if it's an established relationship, somebody that I'm currently buying from and we've got, you know, business to discuss, uh, my door is typically always open. Um, and, you know, it's okay for somebody to give me a call and talk about here's the latest happenings in our area. And, you know, I don't require a structured agenda to have that conversation. I don't mind when somebody comes and gives me a call and says here's what's happening in the industry or here's what's happening in their business. Um, on the flip side, if it is a prospective supplier, that is looking to gain inroads into the organization, that is, I would treat that differently and have a higher expectation, right? Because um, the credibility is not there and the relationship hasn't been established. And so those calls I'll scrutinize more um, or avoid them more, and no disrespect to those, but uh, that, you know, call and send emails and expect to get responses. But you, you've got to find a way to, to have a clear purpose and, and, and credible um, opportunity to deliver something before we're going to invest time together. So um, I'd say it's 50%, I guess, Dave, um, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that I use that broadly. If I, if I say if it's prospective suppliers only, I'd say the m- number is mar- much lower. Um, and, you know, you know the, the drill with LinkedIn these days. You'll get a lot of cold call inqu- inquiries on LinkedIn. I mean, I'll, I'll just tell you straight. I, I mean, I'm not going to respond to cold calling inquiries on LinkedIn when I don't know somebody from Adam because it's not really. Uh, there has to be a better way. There has to be a way that you can demonstrate to me that you know you're you're a credible prospective supplier and there's actually a match. Um, what you're so saying I, I typically is, don't invest a lot of time in those. Yeah, yeah. But what you're saying too, though, I think is is really interesting and, and counterintuitive to a lot of salespeople. I mean. You're saying if, if I'm a prospective supplier, the the bar is really high, and I've got to come out of the shoot. I mean, in in I have to approach you in the very very best way possible from the very first interaction uh, for you to even consider a second or a third or whatever. And I think too often 
salespeople end up, you know, you hear them, you know, terms like I'm dialing for dollars and, and, and things like that. What they do is they don't put their best foot forward on that very first call. They, they tend to treat it as, you know, kind of the least important call. I got to do the numbers and all. And so the psychology is, is completely reversed if they really want to have an impact and if they really want to get earn the right to get into your office and have second and third conversations. Yeah, and, and I mean, your, your, your question is provocative because I never really thought about it. But I'll, I'll, again, somebody that, that I trust and has a credible relationship with me, um, you know, it's, it's a simple conversation around, you know, if you tell me something's happening with our product line or something in the industry or there's a concern, you know, I'll, I'll obviously be much more responsive and flexible. Um, but if it's, you know, something that I don't have any faith or limited exposure to what you're, you're going to sell to me, um, you know, I'm going to be much more scrutinizing around how we have that dialogue. And that's human so, nature. I, I mean, it, yeah. it, it, with the first category, you're kind of involved with people on a project basis, and it's a kind of normal day-to-day almost project management kind of uh, role. But on, on the prospecting call, it's, it's you know, you have to really, you know, you ha- have to put your best foot forward to, you know, to earn the right for the customer to invest their time. So. Uh, Good. Exactly. What are we're, we've spent a lot of time? I'd like to maybe kind of wrap up on a, a few things. What are the three biggest mistakes salespeople make um, in trying to work with you? Um, I would say, let's see. Uh, number one, not understanding our organization, our culture, and our product needs. I think that would be number one. If you, if, if you. Mm-hmm. For example, so it's know going back to doing the homework. Yeah, you, you need to understand truly how your company's offerings are going to fit. And if you come in fishing and, you know, just speculating that we're going to need to buy whatever it is you're selling, that's not good enough for me. And mm-hmm. it, it demonstrates that you haven't really invested the energy and time and passion into building the, the, the relationship. So that's probably number one. Number two is... Probably um, not, perhaps not really being authentic about the relationship and the prospects, something we've already talked about. But let's be candid about whether the fit's there. Don't sell to me at all costs. Let's make sure that it makes sense for both sides. Otherwise, the relationship's not going to be sustainable. Yep. And, um, you know, again, that, that requires transparency. It requires um, integrity and, and, and openness and candor run whether or not it's going to make sense. Don't try to, don't try to force fit something that doesn't make sense because you're under pressure from your boss to, to demonstrate you made a good contact. Well, and it's, um, it ends up being a lose-lose in the long term anyways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then um, I guess the third would be when we do engage in business together, um, if, you know, sales executives successful, you got to deliver. You know, I mean, you understand procurement people go to the mat, go to go out on a limb to, to, to get a business case, to award a contract. And, you know, my name is on that, on the line there, and my reputation is at stake. And if I've gone to the executives in, in our business and, and said this is the right supplier and here's the decision, you know, I'm counting on, on you. And, and if, if, to me, it, that's where it gets personal is that I've entrusted you 
and again, I don't make decisions in a vacuum, right? You know, procurement is about engagement with other stakeholders and collaboration. So, you know, 99 times out of 100, there's 10 people making a decision versus one. But at the end of the day, it's, it's the procurement person that's typically making the recommendation. And, and if you don't execute or you don't deliver or you overpromise, that really, really, you know, hurts the relationship and, and, and any reputation for the long term. So you've got to make well, sure. Well, you're you the first person that gets the pissed off call about a misdelivery. That's right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been really great. Uh, you know, it's 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 so refreshing to hear the perspective you have because it it, it ju- it's just common sense. It's plain business sense. It's it's good people relationships. Um, and I, I think too often we in the sales side. Um, don't take the time to really understand this, and and you know as a consequence we we sell ourselves short and and, and lose opportunities and don't serve you as well as we possibly could. So I really appreciate your time and, and your forthrightness in in, in in telling us how we can be more effective. Thanks, Ryan. Sure. It's been my pleasure, Dave. Thanks for the opportunity. And uh, it's a great topic and one that I have a lot of passion about. So thanks for taking the time.